0: It felt great. I, I would say I didn't get that overwhelming rush of loving feelings that I hear a lot of other moms.
1: Welcome to the Happy Home birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Which is more important in birth preparation and birth itself, the body or the mind? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to this week's episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Erica Horner, a stay-at-home mom of two girls and blogger in her spare time, sharing healthy recipes and intentional homemaking inspiration on her website, thehomeintent.com. And we are going to be diving into that very question today which is more important, the body, the mind, maybe a little bit of both. Let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode for you to decide. As always, please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Erica, thank you so much for coming on the happy home birth
0: podcast. No problem. I am super excited to be here.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to have you here, and I'm so looking forward to hearing your birth story. So before we get there, would you mind just taking a moment here in the beginning to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners?
0: Sure. My name's Erica. I live in Alberta, Canada, with my husband, Mark, and we've been married for almost eight years. We have two little girls, um, Lillian, she is three and a half, and Violet, our most recent, is three months. Aww. And I'm a full-time mom and homemaker. I love it. I think it's the best job ever. <laughs> um, and in my spare time, I do have a little side business. I have a, a blog called thehomeintent.com, and I share healthy recipes and motherhood and other homemaking content. So that's amazing.
1: (laughs) Uh, I love whenever I meet someone who has a child with the same name as my children. So Lillian, do you have nicknames for Lillian? Do you just call her Lillian or anything else?
0: We just call her Lillian. Yeah. How about you?
1: Lil. (laughs) It's always been Lil. But recently she's been introducing herself to people as Lily. So I'm like, okay,
0: Oh. she
1: has she has opinions here so that's it's very interesting but <laughs> yes. anyway such a such a beautiful name it's a family name on our side
0: oh yeah nice.
1: yeah okay so let's hear how this all began you said you've been married for 8 years i'd love to hear what was going on and how conception came about that first time
0: mhm so it took a lot longer than we thought it would <laughs> we're both young and healthy so you know we thought it would be pretty quick Um, I was on the birth control pill for about a year and a half after we got married and it was at that point that we decided we wanted to start trying so I went off it and at that point we were in a different province in Canada Um, and after not being successful for about six months I read the book called taking charge of your fertility and so I started tracking my basal body temperature And according to those readings, the book said it was that I probably wasn't ovulating. So I was shocked by that. Okay, (laughs) what do I do now, right? So I went to see a naturopath. She did some tests and told me I had early signs of polycystic ovarian syndrome and that I might not be ovulating because of that. So she put me on some supplements did some acupuncture treatments regularly um, for about nine months. And I didn't get pregnant in that time. And it was right then that we decided to move back to Alberta, where we're both from. And I thought, you know what, this is, (laughs) it's a lot of time to do all these treatments. And it hasn't worked so far. It's a lot of money as well. So I decided, let's just quit for a while and just try to not try so hard right um and we decided actually we were we were talking about fertility treatments versus trying to adopt actually because the end goal was to have kids right have a family and so we were weighing the pros and cons of fertility treatments and adoption and my thought was that they both take time they both take money But with adoption, you're kind of guaranteed, almost guaranteed to have a child in the end, even if it takes 10 years. Right? So that's what we decided to do, to just go for adoption and stop trying to get pregnant for a while. So we went through some courses we had to take for that, did a bunch of paperwork. We were waiting for our home study assignment. So to meet with a social worker, And about a week after we got all that stuff completed, I realized my period was a little bit late. And of course I tried not to get excited, (laughs) right? (laughs) But I thought, well, it's late, so let's go buy test and see. It's probably nothing. So I bought the test and took it the next morning. And I actually had a dream that night that I had a positive test. And woke up and realized I hadn't taken it yet. <laughs> so I got a little more nervous after this. <laughs> but anyway, I took the test and that faint little line appeared. And I was over the moon, obviously. So excited. Went back to my husband who's in bed, just bawling. And uh, yeah, we were just okay. Wow. Didn't expect that. <laughs> but wow. We so
1: how long was it? I guess how many how many months years was it between when you first decided, okay, let's, let's consider this and then actually becoming pregnant.
0: Um, I believe it was June, 2017. I went off birth control and then I took that test July, 2019. So about mm-hmm. two years. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that is incredible. It's, it's just so amazing yeah. how, <laughs> how those things kind of fall into place sometimes. It just, So what was that pregnancy like?
0: Well, I would say my first trimester was pretty typical. I was really nauseous, um, but I could keep things down. (laughs) Um, I knew I wanted a midwife and a home birth actually right from the start, because when we had started trying to conceive, I was doing a ton of research. And I had a couple friends and family members who... um, had midwives and home births, so I was familiar with it already. Um, so I applied for midwifery care right away. Where we live in Alberta, there's a you apply through a centralized system and you can request your choice of midwife, um, and then they choose whether to accept you or not. So I applied and I didn't have any certain midwife that I wanted because I didn't know of any, <laughs> so... I just went off Google reviews and I got accepted by someone. So I was happy about that. Um, Let's see. I had my first ultrasound at 20 weeks and we found out it was a little girl. My midwife called me the day after to explain some news from the ultrasound. She said, so you've got this complication with your umbilical cord. It's called a velamentous." cord insertion Mm -hmm. so normally the cord runs from the baby to the placenta all kind of wrapped up in one package and protected by the by the Wharton's jelly right but with a velamentous cord insertion the blood vessels kind of branch out before they attach to the placenta so they aren't protected by the jelly so of course they're at a greater risk for breaking and risk of blood loss to the baby, all that, especially during labor. If the cord were to get, you know, caught between the baby and the cervix. So my midwife, her name is Heather. um, She explained that the worst case scenario would be bed rest at 30 weeks and an elective C-section at 37 weeks. And that would be if the placenta stayed low near the cervix. So, of course, that was totally frightening to me. (laughs) Did not want that to happen, but we just had to wait and see um, what the placenta would do. So, she sent me to a maternal fetal medicine specialist clinic at the hospital, and I had to go there for ultrasounds, I believe, once monthly. I can't remember exactly, but they monitored the movement of the placenta and it did every time it was moving up away from the cervix. So that was great. (laughs) Um, As well, we were taking a hypnobabies course during this time we'd hired a doula and she taught a hypnobabies course. Um, So we learned all about the mechanics of labor, things that Mark do, my husband Mark could do to support me during labor. But the main part was um, learning how to relax just at the drop of a hat, just fully relax the body, right? And we had homework, had to practice, right? (laughs) So I practiced really consistently and um, yeah, just waited for the day to come. Um, So from the movement of the placenta moving up away from the cervix, my midwife and the specialists both said, you know, it's totally fine to attempt a vaginal birth, but they both strongly recommended a hospital birth and continuous fetal monitoring since it was still a higher risk situation. So it was a bit of a bummer, but I did decide to go with the hospital birth. It, it just made, made sense for me. So that's what we did. And I was able to keep my midwife as the provider because, yeah, all the Alberta midwives have hospital privileges. So I still had my same provider that I was comfortable with. So that was great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the we said the worst case scenario would have been bed rest at 30 weeks, then 37 weeks C-section. Clearly, that's not the path that you had to go down. But what was that like when you actually went into labor? And did you have to do anything prior to that to – like? I don't know, did did they ask that you, you know, stop any activities or did you have to have an induction or anything like that?
0: No, I wasn't asked to do anything in particular. It was just yeah, wait for labor to start. So Good. that's great. Nothing special. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well then how did
0: that start? <laughs> yeah, so at thirty nine weeks, exactly. Well, I should say also they they changed my due date a couple of times from all the Older sounds they took <laughs> so it was really like who knows when this is gonna happen <laughs> I mean you never know anyway but right. <laughs> <laughs> so at 39 weeks calculating with the most current due date <laughs> I woke up um at around 11:20 at night and I thought I had wet the bed so I got up and as I got up I realized oh more is coming out of me Um, this must not be me wetting the bed. This must be my water breaking. So I, I went to the toilet and there was some pink coming out, some light pink. And I panicked a little bit because I had been told to watch for bleeding at any time as a possible sign that the cord had torn, right? but I also forgot that it was normal to have a little bloody show when your water broke. <laughs> so anyway, I called my midwife right away. She said, Oh yeah, it sounds normal. If it's light pink, the only thing we'd worried about, we would worry about is you know bright red color. So she told me to just go back to sleep, rest as much as possible. And um, labor would probably start within the next day or so. So I did that. I went to bed, and I started to feel some light cramping. Um, I wasn't very comfortable in bed. So I got up and I just rested on the couch with the heating pad. And then at about 3.30 in the morning, things started to get more intense, especially my back. I had a lot of pain in my back. So I got my husband up and he made some food and started timing the contractions for me. And at that point, they were about six or seven minutes apart, lasting about a minute. So I just, <laughs> I think I was on my hands and knees around this time, listening to my hypnobabies tracks, trying to relax as much as I could. And my husband was applying counter pressure on my back. But I found it really, really difficult to relax. Even laying down, I just, I was just so tense. I couldn't do it. And I wasn't really hearing the tracks that I was listening to either. I was just in my own world. Um, So my husband suggested getting in the shower, getting some hot water on my back. I did that for a while and and it was really helpful. Definitely helped take down the pain. Um, Then I had to get out. So I I got out eventually. Um, And then we started timing the contractions again and they were three or four minutes apart, lasting a minute at that time. So I called my midwife and she said, okay, let's meet at the hospital and see how are you are doing? So I, I laid on the couch and waited for my husband to pack up our things. Um, and then Mark called our doula while we were driving to the hospital and she said she'd be there. And the car ride was not fun. Most people who've ridden in a car in labor know it's just really not great. No, it's... <laughs> and of course, <laughs> yeah, it's just not not ideal. <laughs> anyway, so it was about a half hour ride to the hospital. Got to the hospital around seven in the morning. And the midwife was there. She hooked me up with the fetal monitor. said baby's looking totally fine and then she checked my dilation said i was about three centimeters and i was very discouraged (laughs) because i felt like things were so intense and they had been for a while and oh man three centimeters and now i have seven more centimeters to go you know how am i gonna do this (laughs) i knew i could do this but can i really do this you know Mm -hmm. so she said, it's, it's still pretty early, probably. This is your first baby. So you can either go home and labor there for a while and then come back or stay at the hospital and, you know, we'll see how things go in the next couple of hours. The idea of getting back in the car and driving home was absolutely awful. I did not want to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she said, okay, yeah, stay here and we'll see what happens. And a few contractions after that, she said, yeah, you're not going anywhere. I was like, okay, (laughs) good, we're staying. (laughs) (laughs) So she checked the baby's position and she was in a posterior position. So she suggested to me some positions that I could labor in to encourage the baby to rotate. So I got on my elbows and my knees on the bed with the head Um, Part of the bed elevated um, and just rested my head on a pillow. And at this point, I was also feeling really nauseous. So I just held a barf bag by my face. (laughs) Um, I never actually threw up, though, so that was good. Um, My mouth also felt super dry. So my husband was right beside me just... Had the cup of water to give me a sip um, between contractions. So that was nice. Changed uh, positions a couple different times. I don't really remember what positions we did. Um, But at around 9.15, I felt like I had to use the bathroom. So I went with my husband to the bathroom. And of course, felt like, oh, I kind of feel like I need to start pushing. <laughs> and then the uh, the back labor also intensified at that uh. point, too. And I remember saying to my doula, I don't think I can keep doing this. <laughs> I was thinking about asking for an epidural, right? And she told me, remember, Erica, it's usually when you feel that way that the end is right around the corner. So just mm-hmm. give it a little more time. Um, so I thought, okay, just a little more time. (laughs) My midwife asked me to come to the bed to check me again, since I was basically trying to push. And that was about 945. And she said I was eight centimeters. So, okay, that's progress. Great. Five centimeters in a little over two hours, right? Just goes to show you that Dilation measurement doesn't really indicate (laughs) how much longer your labor might be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I was at eight centimeters and she said, try not to push because you're not fully dilated yet. You don't want to put extra pressure on the cervix. And I tried, but it wasn't very possible. (laughs) You know, your body is just doing what it's doing. And there's really no stopping it. so 10 30 I told Heather I really need to push like I need to do it and she said okay you're most likely fully dilated just go ahead great so I started pushing she began to see a little bit of the baby's head and she called the backup midwife they always have a backup midwife um to come in and the baby's heart rate started dropping Mm -hmm. so she called in an ob and the nicu team just to be there on standby as a precaution and i never noticed those people coming in afterwards my doula said there were about 10 extra people there on standby did you notice no (laughs) i was just in the zone pushing And I remember my midwife saying to me calmly, but very firmly, Erica, we need to get the baby out soon. So you need to give it all you've got. And she didn't say this, but I knew that that meant if the baby didn't come soon and the heart rate continued to drop, this would probably end in a C-section. And of course, I did not want that to happen after all this work. (laughs) So I did that. I pushed with everything I had, felt like the hugest bowel movement of my life, and um, if my husband were telling the story, he'd boast of the she-hulk coming out in me, my veins popping as I pushed and pushed.
1: <laughs> Your husband sounds like the best doula, by the way. Oh, all of he's the pretty little good. Yeah. Given. <laughs> like, all right, Mark, I see you.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, he's got to take some credit. He's great. <laughs> so. I pushed for about 45 minutes. I kept thinking that her head must almost be out, but it it did take 45 minutes. It felt like a long, long time, right? And finally, at 11.15, she was born. Mm -hmm. So she was placed on my chest, skin to skin, and she had a huge bulge on the left side of her head from being forced out. You know, in a p- posterior position, pretty fast. Mm. Wow! So, so, what
1: position were you in when you were pushing her out?
0: Oh, they had me go on my back because um, my midwife wanted to be able to see, but mm. my doula put she rolled up a couple of towels and ah. um, lifted my pelvis up. So, cool. yeah, that was that was where we were at.
1: Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, how did that feel once once Lillian was earthside?
0: It felt great. I I would say I didn't get that overwhelming rush of loving feelings that I hear a lot of other moms say they got, but I was obviously happy she was there and that the hard work of labor was over and um really proud of myself that I did it
1: mm.
0: without any intervention. So, yeah. And then
1: once she was born, was the bleeding situation? I mean, I know that was what they were concerned about with the velamentous cord. Did everything turn out great?
0: Yeah, yeah. I had consented um, to being given oxytocin, oxytocin to encourage the placenta out quicker because they didn't want to have to try to pull it or anything, um, pull the cord. Um, so they gave me the oxytocin and it still didn't come out very quickly. Um, so Lillian went to Mark for some skin to skin and I went to the toilet to try to push it out and it did come out in one piece, thankfully. So all was well, (laughs) the, the backup midwife actually asked if she could take a photo of my placenta because it looked so cool and she has a book of placentas. (laughs)
1: So <laughs> you made the book, Erica,
0: I made the book. Yeah. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so we left oh, the hospital man, so... at around one 30.
1: Oh, wow. So you just snuck on out of there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple of, um, or no, I had one tear. It required a couple of stitches, but our midwife said, yeah, you you can go home if you want. And we did not want to stay there. So, <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Is that common practice? Because I know here it's like, oh, moms have to stay for, or not have to, but they, you know, strongly encourage moms to stay for a
0: day or two. I think with the midwives here, it's common practice. I don't know about the OBs, but- Gotcha. Definitely. Interesting. Midwives, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. So what was that postpartum experience like?
0: It was- a little rough at first. Um, as far as my recovery, I think it was pretty typical. I was, I was sore, but what do you expect, right? (laughs) Um, breastfeeding was very tricky. Um, that first night she had a lot of trouble latching. There was a lot of screaming and crying. And, um, the next day our midwife came back. That's usually what they do. They do a home visit the next day and she said baby's reflexes weren't quite what they should be and she had been six pounds when she was born so because she was so small she was worried about hypoglycemia and so she sent us back to the hospital actually the day after she was born and she did have low blood sugar so we stayed at the hospital while they ran some tests and we fed her formula just to get her blood sugars up. And we were there for about eight hours. Um, longer than we were <laughs> the day that she was born, which is funny. <laughs> So that was kind of brutal, sitting at the hospital the day after giving birth. Um, but she was all fine after that. And um we fed with formula for a few days, actually, until I remembered I could pump and feed her breast milk. <laughs> um, for some reason, I had not thought of that. Oh, that's so, so we started... weird. It's
1: like you were like yeah. early postpartum or
0: something. <laughs> yeah, I know. Something it's crazy weird happened there. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so we started feeding her um, by pumping and with a bottle. And then I saw a lactation consultant after that. She gave me a nipple shield to try, which I didn't know was a thing. And from then on, breastfeeding was super easy. Mm. We tried to wean off using the nipple shield, but we were never successful. So we just used it for two years of breastfeeding and it worked. (laughs) So (laughs) I was happy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Two years. That's fantastic. That's, that's amazing to know you started off. I think that's, I just think that's helpful for mothers to know, who may be in the same boat where they are struggling in those first few days that does not indicate that you won't be able to have a successful breastfeeding journey. I mean, that's, you know, you made it two years. That's, that's incredible.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. So that was, you said Lillian's like three and a half. Is that right?
0: Yeah. That was yeah March, 2020 just before COVID Mm. hit us.
1: (laughs) Right before. You just (laughs) just snuck that one right in. (laughs) I
0: did. Yes.
1: (laughs) So, okay. So then what was, how did the, your second pregnancy unfold? Was the timing planned or was, what was that journey like?
0: Well, it again took us longer than we thought it would. It took us about a year to conceive this time. Half the time. And Half the time. Yeah. An improvement for sure. (laughs) Yeah. We started trying when Lillian was around a year and a half. Um, and I, I told myself, we'll just give it a year. And then if it doesn't happen in that time, then we'll decide adoption or fertility treatments or see the naturopath again. So I actually did go to see the naturopath at the year mark and, uh, We started doing some stuff, and a couple weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. So, great. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, again, I immediately applied for a midwife, and I found out that my first midwife had either moved or wasn't a midwife anymore. I don't know. She wasn't available. So, I did the same thing. I just applied to some highly rated practices and uh, got a midwife. And I really liked her. She she was a lot more experienced than my first midwife. And she was just very calm. Very calm demeanor. Um, and whenever there was a decision for me to make, she just gave me all the information, let me make my own choice, really didn't try to sway me one way or another, and just didn't judge me for whatever choice I made. So I really, really liked this midwife. Her name's Jeanette. Um... So yeah, the first trimester was pretty much the same as with Lillian, just very nauseous and tired, and I started to feel better around 16 weeks. Um, had the ultrasound again at 20 weeks, and it showed yet a, another cord complication. <laughs> okay, this time it was a marginal cord insertion, so not nearly as risky As the filamentous cord insertion. So the marginal cord insertion is where the cord enters the placenta just on the edge instead of right in the middle. So Jeanette, my midwife, explained that she was completely comfortable doing a home birth with that. She'd seen a lot of home births where afterwards they realized there was a marginal cord insertion and they didn't know of it before. And you know, everything usually turns out just fine. So she gave me all the information about the risks and things that could happen, but I just decided home birth cause I felt good about it this time. So, um, we didn't hire a doula this time. It just wasn't financially possible. My husband switched careers and took some schooling. So things were a little tight. Um, and I I'm positive that the Hypnobabies babies course did help me with my first birth. Um, but it just didn't feel like quite the right fit for me. So I'd heard some YouTubers that I watched talk about the Bradley method. And so I decided to read up on that and see how that went. So my husband and I, We read from Susan McCutcheon's book, Natural Childbirth, The the Bradley Way. We read a little bit from it every night together. And it was really good at clearly explaining the whole process of labor. So I really felt I understood what my body was going to be doing. And there's a certain position that they have you practice lying in that later on in labor, you would lie in to try to fully relax. Um, So we practiced some contractions regularly, um, me going into that position. And then my husband, Mark, coaching me through just relaxing every part of my body. And um, then there's also some practicing for pushing positions um, later on. So we practiced for the whole length of labor, what we would be doing. Um, and a little while after we started this, Mark had a thought. He said, how hard is it to relax your body when nothing uncomfortable is happening to it? And I thought, you know what? That's true. Because in my first pregnancy, when I was practicing my relaxation, my hypno babies, I really felt I was good at it. Mm-hmm. But when it came time to try to do that during the contractions, I really felt like I couldn't relax. So he made a suggestion. He said, why don't I tickle you while we're practicing?
1: I love it. (laughs)
0: And I was like, what? That's ridiculous. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm really ticklish. It's going to be really hard. (laughs) for me to relax while you're tickling me. But it's also going to be really hard for me to relax during contractions and labor. So, okay, let's go for it. (laughs) And it was really hard. It was really fun because there were times where I just couldn't do it and I just laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I really think that made a huge difference because by the end of it, I was quite good at just... Relaxing and not tensing up or laughing, just just making it through the contraction <laughs> the contraction <laughs> air quotes <laughs> while my husband was t- was tickling me so <laughs> so that's what we did. Um, I think that is great practice it was it really was. I would do it again hundred <laughs> percent so um, with this pregnancy, this labor, I decided to choose a couple of clear things that I could focus on during labor. Because with hypnobabies, I had learned like so many different pain management techniques. And I just like, they just left my mind while I was laboring. The only thing I remembered was try to relax, but that wasn't working for me. So this time I was like, okay, I want a couple things that I need to remember to do. So the first one was doing the Bradley position and of course, relaxing my body through the contractions. Um, The second thing I planned to do was tell myself during each contraction to open up or open the door. And the third thing was to, excuse me, visualize my uterus contracting and pulling the cervix open. So those are my three things that I drilled into my brain. This is what I'm going to do during labor. <laughs> and I just kind of forgot everything else. So I felt very well prepared. I knew what my body was going to do. And I knew that what I was going to do, those three things would help me through it. And we'd practice countless times. So that was helpful too. Um, I should say as well with my first I didn't make any effort to to try to get the baby in an optimal position for labor like I just kind of assumed she would be in good position (laughs) and that didn't happen so this time I was really consistent with never like laying back or sitting back even I was just always sitting up and forward And this baby did stay in the anterior position for the last three or four months of my pregnancy. Mm, So that's great. I definitely would encourage people to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So the plan was for my mom to come here and take care of Lillian because Lillian wanted to be here. um, And I was totally fine with that. But of course you need someone dedicated to look after little toddler right so that was the plan and with Mark's new line of work he would actually be away for weeks at a time mm-hmm. so his company was aware that I was pregnant and they said they would try to keep him close to home around my due date um, when the time came he was about three and a half hours away So a little further than we wanted <laughs> but what do you do? So he was on call day and night, you know, just ready to leave whenever I called him. So I guess I can ooh. go into the labor now if you want. Yeah,
1: that's just thinking about that, though. That is, I have, I've had a few friends where their spouses were a bit, you know, a ways away. And that does add a a bit of, you know, ooh, what's going to happen? Are, are we going to yes, be able to exactly. make it? Yeah. So yes, yeah. I would I'm I'm excited to hear how this all unfolded.
0: Yeah, so forty weeks and two days. Oh, longer. Longer, although Well if maybe. You, <laughs> <I guess. laughs> maybe. Yeah, if if you calculate from Lillian's original birth date, she was born at forty weeks and two days as well. Okay. So,
1: interesting. Oh well, that's the same. there you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> so <clears throat> I woke up at one in the morning had to go to the bathroom and as I was walking back to my bed, I noticed something dripping down my leg. (laughs) Oh, okay. My water's broken. (laughs) Great. So called Mark right away, said he should head out. He said, okay, yeah, I'm on it. He called me back a few minutes later and explained that he realized he had something that was needed at the job site. So he needed to drop it off there then head home, which would add an hour to his trip. So yeah, so I'm thinking, okay, okay. He'll be home around 6 AM in about five hours. Lillian's birth was 12 hours after my water broke. So I'm pretty confident he will make it. Mm -hmm. So I put on some disposable underwear. I got the bed set up with the plastic shower curtain under an old sheet to protect the mattress. And the contractions started very soon after my water broke. Um, I timed a few and they were four minutes apart lasting longer than a minute each, Um, but they were totally manageable. I just stopped whatever I was doing and leaned on something to relax through it. I wasn't going to do the Bradley position until it became more intense. Um, I went to the bathroom again and I noticed some bright yellow and brownish discharge on my underwear and I knew that pink was normal (laughs) but I really didn't know about yellow or light brown (laughs) so (laughs) I called Jeanette to chat about that and to tell her my contraction pattern so far and she said the discharge color sounded normal probably just shades of mucus plug and uh text to text her a picture to make sure if I was worried so I did that and she said yeah it looks normal So at 2 a.m., I called my mom because I thought sooner she gets here, the better. I don't know how long this will take, but she should be here. Um, She didn't answer. And so I got a little worried. (laughs) Right away, I called my stepdad. He answers and handed the phone to my mom. And I told her things are coming along. So not a huge rush, but, you know, make your way over sooner than later. Right. (laughs) um let's see i timed the contractions at that point and they were actually further apart five to seven minutes apart and still about a minute long Um, but they were getting more intense and i started to get the back pain again um i put on a playlist of calm instrumental music that i had prepared which i thought would assist with me relaxing and it totally did Um, then I just lay in my bed in the Bradley position and relaxed and visualized my cervix opening and said to myself open the door and it was totally manageable and my mom arrived a few minutes before 3 a.m. so we chatted between contractions she asked if there was anything that she could do to help And at that point, I realized it would have been smart to prepare her, (laughs) to provide some birth support, since it was likely Mark would take a while to get home, (laughs) right? (laughs) But we didn't. Anyways, I asked her to push on my back during contractions, and so she did that, and that did help. And she suggested the heating pad, which I had planned to use, but totally forgot about. So we got that out, and she... Um, pushed on the heating pad on my back during the contractions, and we timed the contractions again. They were about four minutes apart and a minute long, but getting much more intense. Um, and I was trying to breathe deeply and relax, and I couldn't fully do it, but it was it was still manageable. Um, and I was starting to vocalize as well. Um, and I got to the point point. I started thinking, oh, I don't think I can do this anymore. Oh, boy. <laughs> but I must still have such a long time to go. <laughs> it was, you know, a little less than three hours since my water had broken. So at 345, at the end of a contraction, I had the sudden urge to push. Oh, boy. And that shocked me because I did not think I was that far along. Um. So right after that contraction, I handed my mom my phone and I said, call Jeanette, tell her I had the urge to push. Um, So she called and Jeanette didn't answer the first call. (laughs) So mom left a message (laughs) and I thought, okay, well, we'll see if I feel pushy during the next one. Cause you know, maybe it was a fluke. (laughs) The next, yeah, (laughs) sure. The next one came. And along with it, an undeniable urge to push. So I said, call her again, Mom, call her again. (laughs) So this time she answered. And very predictably, she told my mom, tell her to try to hold off, not push yet. (laughs) And that she'd be right, you know, on her way. And that call was at 3.49. Mm -hmm. So when that contraction ended, I asked Mom to get... The floor mats, I had some floor mats ready because I had planned to push on my hands and knees on the floor by the bed. So she grabbed the floor mats and my birth ball from the living room because I told her I actually want to hang over the birth ball on my knees. Um, And I had two pushing contractions there. and. I wasn't even trying to stop pushing cause I just knew, you know, I can't stop this.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Jeanette. <laughs> um, so I had two um, pushing contractions on the floor there on my knees. And at the end of the second one, I felt baby's head crowning. And so I shouted to my mom who's sitting on the edge of the bed beside me, mom, she's right there. And my mom quickly pulled down my underwear and, I pushed the head out, um, and I was totally forgetting that I had planned to slowly do that part to avoid tearing. She just came Mm (laughs) out. The next contraction, I pushed the rest of her body out, and my mom caught her. Um, (laughs) And since I didn't see what happened, after a few minutes, I said, Did you catch her? (laughs) And according to my mom, you know, time was just standing still in that moment, you know, after she caught her granddaughter. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was pretty special. I, um, So I slowly turned over to sit on my bum and lean back on the birth ball. And mom handed the baby to me and went to grab some towels to keep over the baby. Um, and again, I wasn't overwhelmed with... Crazy loving emotions, but I was really happy that you know she was there. Um, so we estimate she was born at 4 a.m. Neither of us, of course, thought to look at that time, <laughs> but um, we called the midwife at 4:02. So we're we're thinking four o'clock. That um, sounds great. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, my mom called the midwife and told her, yeah, Erica, deliver the baby. And she was shocked too. Didn't expect that. <laughs> and she told us, okay, you know, the baby looking okay. And she was a little purple and slow to wake up, but she did gradually start to move more and more and make noises and she was breathing. So we weren't concerned. And the midwife was about seven or 10 minutes away. So yeah, then we, while we waited for the midwife, we called my husband and that was really fun. <laughs> he answered and I said guess what I just had a baby (laughs) (laughs) and we he was obviously really surprised and happy that everything went well um so we we gave him the rundown of how it all happened and then Jeanette walked in the door so we said goodbye for now and he was still two hours away (laughs) Mm. (laughs) so (laughs) Violet waits for no one she waits for nobody. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they got me into my bed and we did some skin to skin and Jeanette checked us both out. And I got to cut the cord because Mark wasn't there. And why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, the placenta took its time. Um, we waited about 30 minutes and then Jeanette suggested a homeopathic remedy. So I took that. Do you remember um, which one? Oh, gosh. No, I don't no, know. That's fine. <laughs> um, handed the baby to my mom and then went to sit on the toilet to push it out. And same thing happened. It it did come out pretty quickly after that. So then I took a quick shower to clean up, um, got back into bed with baby and Jeanette checked me for tears. I had two, um, one that didn't require any stitching and one that was second degree. So she had to stitch me up. Um, but again, not surprising. She came out really fast, pushed her out really fast. So (laughs) <laughs> um then Lillian woke up at about 4 uh while Jeanette was suturing mm. and um we had prepared her you know we talked a lot about how the birth might happen so she knew if she woke up and she saw grandma Sonia or Jeanette in our house that the baby was coming or had already come so she saw grandma Sonia and she knew <laughs> The baby's here. They're coming. (laughs) So my mom took her to the living room to play while Jeanette was finishing her stitching. And then she came in to meet her sister and was really excited. Gave me a hug and patted Violet's head and then ran off to play with Grandma some more. (laughs) Yeah. And then Mark got there at around 6 a.m., and as he you, skin- <laughs> as you knew, <laughs> yeah, as we predicted, yes. <laughs> um, he did some skin to skin right away with baby and we just laid in the bed and chatted and admired our new baby. And then Jeanette did the newborn exam and my mom cleaned everything up and she got Lillian some breakfast. Mark made me some, me some food and um, Jeanette did a bunch of paperwork took her a long time I don't know what all that is but (laughs) Uh, anyway then um, my mom and Jeanette went home and Lillian went to play with her cousins Mm -hmm. we have a a duplex we own a duplex with Mark's brother and uh, sister-in-law so
1: that is so nice
0: yeah we just sent her to the cousins it was Mm -hmm. great (laughs) wow yeah and then we slept pretty much the whole day me Mark and uh, Violet and uh, my sister-in-law brought us some Delicious smoked moose kebabs for supper. It was Ooh, great.
1: <laughs> that's incredible. Oh man, yes. that is that is so amazing, Erica. So I'm curious to hear because you're you're at the three month mark now. How yeah. has this postpartum been?
0: It's been very similar. Mm. I was sore for a bit and needed rest, of course. Um, uh, yeah, similar breastfeeding. We're, we use a nipple shield. And I'm kind of like, I don't care. We'll just keep doing it. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was rough at first. I tried without the nipple shield and then thought, you know what? I don't think it's worth it. We're just going to use the nipple shield. Yeah. Um, my husband had two weeks off, so that helped. And I also prepared a lot of freezer meals Mm. because healthy food is really important to us. So had a lot of food, just ready, prepared. And, um, yeah, it was pretty smooth, to be honest.
1: That's amazing. That's that's so incredible. How do you feel with your home birth experience now, you know, comparing the two? What would you say to moms who, well, let's see. I've got several questions, I guess I can ask. So the first okay. one is, if there is a mother who was wanting to give birth at home, but then for whatever reason decided that the hospital was the best place for her to be, what what would you
0: say to her? I would say that as long as you have a provider that you are comfortable with, that understands your preferences, um, you can totally have a great hospital birth. Um, At the same time, yeah, if you're a low risk home birth, definitely for me was better, much more comfortable. um, Just so nice to not have to go in the car And to just be in your own bed once it's all over. So
1: amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that answered my second question. So (laughs) (laughs) Erica, this has been such a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. And thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth podcast.
0: No problem. Thanks for having me, Caitlin.
1: What an incredible story. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I've got a few points that I'd love to touch on. Number one, as Erica's story demonstrated, it is possible to have a positive birth experience in the hospital. If that's the option you feel you need this time around, keep this at front of mind, as it can be extremely encouraging to hear those positive examples. Next, Erica acknowledges that yes, her body was made for birthing, but it was her mind that made the difference between her two experiences. Erica had a much better understanding of what her body was doing in labor, And she visualized it all, even talking to her body during contractions. Erica feels that's what really made the second experience smoother and quicker. And finally, you don't have to learn every single possible coping technique. In fact, having just a few specific strategies planned to use during the birth can help so that you know exactly how to prepare and focus. All right, my friends, that's all that I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Podcast.